Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. I like that name. It's going to be fun. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I have two amazing guests today. I have Katrina and Michelle with me today, who are both experts in the industry, and I'm going to give them an opportunity to kind of detail out their amazing origin stories for everyone out there that's watching and listening, and then we're going to get straight into our conversation. Katrina, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. How did you get into this crazy business we call the automotive industry? I fell into it by accident. Um, I actually, to be honest with you, I didn't even know auto journalism was a career when I started. Um, I actually did my master's degree at uh, Carleton in journalism and ended up doing an internship. I was uh, one of, I think, maybe about six people uh, that were hired right out of grad school at uh, CTV to write the news. So I was writing the news for Canada AM. Uh, and then it was unpaid, you know, in the middle of the night for six weeks, uh, hard labor, especially when you had no money. Uh, but thankfully, I ended up getting a job out of that and uh, worked in the news department and was recruited to go over to uh, BNN Bloomberg. Back then it was called ROB TV and work on a current affairs uh, show uh, with Michael Vaughn, who was a host for former host with CBC uh, and worked at BNN. Uh, and I also met Jeremy Cato there. He was another automotive journalist and uh, out of Vancouver, he'd come in once a month and we'd do a call-in show with him. And all the, the, the viewers would go crazy <laughs> when we'd do this car show. So the three of us got together and we launched uh, an independent production. We sold it to CTV and to BNN. Um, and then I ended up, uh, all three of us ended up going to work for the Globe and Mail. They recruited us uh, back in 2004 to write for their auto section. And I was our token female voice. Um, and I ended up doing, you know, the, the, the independent, independent production, working full time, um, and then doing my, my articles twice a month. And I couldn't handle it anymore. So I quit my job and started freelancing in automotive. And that was 17 years ago. And knock on wood, I'm uh, still with the Globe and Mail freelancing and also have my own segment on CTV News Channel called Up to Speed, which airs uh, every other Saturday. So very fortunate and very blessed. It's an amazing industry. But man, I had to work hard for it <laughs> to keep up with and learn everything about the auto industry. Like I say before, I knew nothing about it. You know, I find that actually really consistent in our industry is that you never just kind of walk into it at this level, you know, like up here, you know, that just doesn't happen. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what aspect of the industry that you're in. It was, it, it was hard work and a, a crawl sometimes and a climb and a sprint and sometimes a slow walk. But, you know, it's like everybody in this industry just feels like they have that kind of scrappy, just, you know, I'm going to keep pushing, keep pushing, you know, mentality, which is I think one of the reasons why I enjoy this industry so much. Michelle, I would love to hear uh, your story, kind of how you got into this business. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that is true with everybody that I know, except those that were born into it, right? The PhDs of the world. <laughs> so oh, you speak. like PhDs? I like DPK. Hmm. What is DPK? Dealer, dealer principal kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. PhD, Papa has a dealership. Same, same general principle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I fell into it also. Um, my, my background is uh, very much on the technology side. So um, I've worked uh, at a lot of different companies before automotive. 
I was at uh, Realtor.com and eHarmony and other marketplaces that were connecting businesses and um, consumers together. And um, I got recruited in. I was uh, contacted by Edmonds. Um, and I remember the very first thing that I thought when that happened was, do they hire women? It's automotive. Well, do they hire women? <laughs> so I, I understand, Trina, what you're saying about the token female, because I definitely felt that um, when I first entered the industry. Um, but I, I was at I was at Edmonds for almost ten years. I um, led their their marketing um, you know channel, so everything from brand strategy, um, consumer marketing, uh, dealer marketing. Um, Content marketing, social, you name it. It was a full stack marketing team. Um, and I also uh, oversaw analytics and operations. And that's very similar now. If I fast forward to today, I'm at Roadster. For those of you who don't know um, what Roadster is, we, are, we live in the, the world of digital retailing. Um, we provide commerce solutions for um, dealerships, uh, both uh, in the United States and Canada, um, and amongst other countries. So. Um, I am their chief marketing officer. I've been there now for about five years, um, leading their efforts. And you know, one of my my biggest focuses, especially right now, given everything that's happening, but it but it really has been since the beginning, is education and really trying to, as much as possible, um, help the the automotive retail community understand how to modernize and and what. Yes, what the technology does, but more importantly, what they need to do within their dealerships to, to be successful. Because I've always said it's, you know, 20% the technology, but it's really 80% what you do with it. And so letting people learn, you know, from other dealerships and, and really be a resource to the industry at large. Well, what, what you do with it is really kind of the important takeaway there, right? You know, uh, you know, a piece of technology is only as good as how well we can execute on it. Um, you know, Patrina, I'm sure you could probably attest to this. A Lamborghini is only as good as how well the person behind the steering wheel is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or any car really at that matter, right? <laughs> um, hey guys, uh, we're going to get into our conversation about, you know, kind of what I think that new norm is. And, you know, we're going to try to bring, you know, kind of some thoughts and maybe some best practices of, you know, how as an industry from the dealership level to the manufacturer level, you know, we can kind of prepare for this, you know, but before we do that, I would just kind of love to hear, you know, what is the current norm for you guys? And Petrina, I'm going to start with you. What is your current norm? Wow, it's changed significantly. Um, you know, my previous norm was traveling. I would jump on a plane every two weeks uh, for car launches all around the world, um, for auto shows all around the world. I'd report on them for TV and for print and for my YouTube channel. And now that's significantly changed. <laughs> you know, there's no travel. So my current world is basically, um, it, I'm still doing, you know, automotive uh, TV reports when there isn't breaking news. Um, I did one this morning for, you know, the, the morning show in Hamilton CHCH TV talking about Earth Day and electric vehicles. Um, I'm doing some articles, but certainly not as much as I used to, where you do maybe like, you know, six to eight articles a month. Now you're down to maybe about two articles a month. Uh, we're not test driving vehicles. All the press fleets or most of the press fleets have been grounded, which is of course a smart move. Uh, I'd rather have them err on the, the side of caution because you know that there's a lot of contaminants in a car uh, and you don't necessarily want to be a, driving a vehicle that someone else may have, uh, have 
driven and, and maybe they do have uh, the illness. So there's a lot of things that are concerning now. Uh, definitely a different industry, definitely uh, different stories. You know, before it was it was largely about car reviews, um, test drives. Now it's about different areas. You know, you're looking at um, the effects of COVID. You know, what is it going to mean for ride sharing in the future, car sharing in the future? What's it going to mean to auto sales uh, in the future? We saw a huge drop in March in auto sales. Uh, I think it was about 47% compared to March of 2019. All of this uh, is drastically changing the way we cover the auto industry um, and and, you know, the, the industry itself, um, like I say, without the travel, it's there's a little bit of a little bit less lackluster, I guess. Um, it, it, I do miss the, the traveling portion of it. But again, um, you know, rather err on the side of caution um, in these times. So, you know what? Um, travel real quick. I actually want to know. Right. You've been to a lot of cool car launches and had the opportunity to get behind a bunch of vehicles. All right. All right. What was what was your favorite one? Ooh, uh, Lamborghini, I have to say, has a sweet spot in my heart. Uh, the Christmas drive that I just did in December, I think, was really special to me. It was a chance to drive um, every Lamborghini in the lineup, including the Aventador SVJ. This is their, you know, <laughs> top, top high performance vehicle uh, in the Italian Alps. And I was the only female there, the only Canadian there reporting on this. And it was 13 journalists from around the world. Uh, that was really special to me. And also driving the Pagani Waira, you know, it's a $2.2 million vehicle. They came into um, Markham and were showing us gorgeous, the car. Gorgeous car. Actually, <laughs> to drive that um, for Canada AM back in the day. So that was several years ago. But again, a really special vehicle because it was like a transformer car with, you know, I think it was over a thousand horsepower and <laughs> luggage that was built into the vehicle as well. That's called customized. Really incredible. You know, actually, that's a perfect segue kind of into you, Michelle, because, you know, it's... it's. I drive a Lamborghini? Well, no, not so much. But the automotive industry is built around experiences, right? I mean, that's what it is. The, the cars themselves generate an experience. The dealership, the transaction has to generate an experience, all right? You know, we now have to focus on an experience that in the past has not been our primary focus of experience, but our online experience, which is one thing that Roadster really does, you know, this was your... The, the core of what you guys are bringing is an experience and a process and a technology to support that. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that, but before we do so, I want to know what is your current norm? Yeah, I feel like it changes every day. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, what it was last week is a little different than it is this week. Um, but, uh, like Katrina, I, I was traveling a lot. Um, I actually, when we decided to ground our company, uh, I was just coming back from a trip um, out in Kansas City. I was at the airport when that decision was made. So uh, I so that that is new, and I think my my family is um, in some ways enjoying that I'm not on the road as much. Um, but uh, you know, as a as a as a as a um, thought leader, but also as part of Roadster, you know, we grounded our employee base pretty early on because our company is actually based in San Francisco, California which is one of the very first metro areas that was significantly impacted. And so we went from being in dealership with, um, you know, two to three days of training on our product to uh, trying to scramble and, and figure out how to do it online. 
And so everybody is working from home. Um, you know, we, we are constantly in this type of engagement via, via Zoom conferencing, uh, both with each other as well as our, our dealer partners. Um, so it's definitely been a change. Uh, although I think that what I find most interesting is how much relationship has remained. Um, and what I mean by that, I feel like it's more, there's more of a connection that's happening. Even though we're not in person, I feel like I start every conversation in a very personal level of like, what's happening in your house? How is your family? Is your family okay? And um, because we're able to now with video conferencing see each other, now we're starting to go a little bit deeper beyond the business. Um, and it's, so it's, it's actually growing a lot of relationships, I feel, um, with a lot of our dealer partners around um, the world. So a lot of, lot of Zoom calls, um, as we were talking about before uh, we got on the podcast, I also have two children in elementary school. So the biggest change for me has been trying to figure out how to homeschool, uh, in, in essence, and work full time. Tell us the truth. How's it going? Uh, they, it is the wild, wild west in my house. We, uh, we set up a schedule in the morning and I say, see you guys later. Good luck. Best of luck to you. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, we're doing okay. We, we decided very early on to actually shelter in place with um, some neighbors of ours that have kids the same exact age because we have um, some, That's smart. we have some parents like my husband and, and the other parents that were still essential businesses and, that we weren't going to, they weren't, I mean, literally the other couple was not going to be home for their children. So we just figured out a schedule and a routine. So like today, you're not seeing kids running behind me because they're actually over there. Um, I was which, impressed. I was so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I've also learned, by the way, that you put yourself to a wall versus an open space so that you don't have people, you know, running behind you. Um, but uh, it is it, even even so they're they're with me twice a week and trying to get them to do their work and work full time is a disaster. It's it's so hard. I, I feel for every parent out there. And I know, Jason, we were talking about how your kids are even younger, which I couldn't even imagine. You know, that that part to me, is, their homework sucks. I'm <laughs> telling you, nothing's worse than kindergarten and first grade homework. And then my th my uh, third grader. Um, Geometry, oh. geometry blows. I'm just yeah. gonna say it. Like, <laughs> I agree. I'm going on the record about that. I'm just, yeah. I'm just gonna say it. I just like, you know, <laughs> Dad, can you come over here and help me with this? Sure, no problem. I sit down. Ask your mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys are you are you on Common Core? I, I don't know if that's made its way out. Um, you know what? Way. Right now, my kids actually jump on with their regular teacher for about an um, hour, hour and a half, and they do a video session and then there are uh programs and just kind of like uh, more like app-based type you know learning that they've sent out and they do that so it's it's on and off i will say there's a lot of random dance parties going on in my house right now you know when we find like when things get like really kind of crazy and like overwhelming and i'm just i'll just yell out dance party and then it's like all of a sudden it's you know the kids aren't climbing the walls or you know jumping off the couches but they're they I don't know. They're at that age. I can get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> Our best investment that we've made during this pandemic is we bought a trampoline. Mm. And that That's was a good the idea. best investment because when they're getting rowdy, we're just like, get out. <laughs> I know. Look, it's a part of our new norm. 
you know, yeah. and, and speaking kind of, you know, of that, you know, I think in our industry, there is, there's a new norm coming. You know, I mean, um, I think it was Michelle, I think maybe you mentioned, maybe Katrina, you mentioned it was, you know, kind of talking about how, you know, uh, this is going to affect, you know, ride sharing programs. And, you know, I, I have a neighbor, you know, right across the street from me that, you know, we were speaking the other day, you know, I know that he takes the, uh, the train into, into the city every single day. In fact, they, they own one car and it usually only ever gets used during the weekends. And it's, they just, they rely, you know, heavily on public transit. So I asked him, I said, you know, cause at some point in time, they're going to tell us, okay, come out of your cave, pop your head out. You can start doing something right i'm sure there'll be some variation of what we can do or how we do it i'm not sure yet but whatever and you know but it's it's i said so are you going to get back on a on a train and he's like hell no you know i was like what are you gonna do he goes well y you're in car business right you know how it is when someone finds out you're in the automotive business so what should i buy and it's like oh god here comes that 35 minute conversation <laughs> you know but i think there's it's it's him and you know a hundred thousand other people out there you know that are thinking like am i really gonna jump back on a bus am i really gonna you know jump back into a train would i rather not just do that you know 300 a month lease on that toyota corolla or that nissan Sentra or something like that and just drive that in and out of the city all the time and how does that affect our highway systems which here in canada we're already at like 190 percent capacity like 75 percent of the time as it is anyways <laughs> you know so let, let's get kind of into that portion of it if you know how and i'll but trina i'll just kind of start with you you know kind of on that the journalism uh, side of the industry, which we rely heavily on. I mean, the industry relies heavily on, you know, putting out this content of what's to come, the the auto shows, like it is a big, big, significant part of our industry. I think that's going to kind of fundamentally change, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. How do you think the new norm is going to play out for that side of the business? Oh, I think it's going to be completely different. Uh, you know, in the past, auto shows, huge, huge for media. Uh, you know, whether it was Frankfurt Auto Show, Geneva Auto Show, you have tens of thousands of people coming in, uh, manufacturers showing off their latest vehicles. Well, you know, we saw at the Geneva Auto Show in March, I was supposed to go there and it was canceled three days before, uh, but many manufacturers launched their vehicles. They launched their BMWs online. So I think this is going to be a trend moving forward. It's very, very expensive. To, to bring your vehicle, not only to an auto show, you're also bringing all the people that are helping with that vehicle, all the executives that are coming in, all the hotel expenses, the air flights that you have, um, executives from around the world flying into these uh, locations for an auto show. I think, you know, financially, and also with the risks of, of COVID-19 maybe popping up again, maybe you're gonna have the Paris Auto Show not going on this year maybe it's going to be more online um, debuts i think that's what they're going to to move towards i think you'll also see maybe even virtual reality uh, launches we had one oh it was about two years ago it was for the jag um ipace uh, and they did this in the la auto show and what they did was they they gathered a couple hundred journalists at a Hollywood studio. So not even at the auto show, Hollywood studio. They had another couple hundred in the UK and you had virtual reality goggles. You put these goggles on and you were able to see the vehicle in front of you. You could stand up 
<laughs> and look through the roof of the vehicle. Uh, it was really sensory. And then at the very end, they, they said to you, okay, you know, take off your goggles and, you know, lo and behold, there's the designer, Ian Callum, right in front of you. And, and there's the vehicle in front of you. Uh, so very unique way of, of bringing a vehicle to market. So I think virtual reality might be also a way to, um, to bring vehicles. Uh, and also you have the actual business of selling cars too. Uh, we might move in terms of those traditional brick and mortar shops, as Michelle mentioned, you know, digital, that's the way to go. Maybe we're going to see more business models like the Genesis business model where, you know, they don't have those traditional brick and mortar shops. You want to test drive a vehicle. Well, I'm just going to go online, tell them to come to my office, pick me up, go for a test drive, no Hegel, um, you know, fixed pricing, maintenance included for the five years. That's probably going to be big moving forward too. Sorry, I think that's going to change a lot. Um, you know, just the way that we consume information is kind of, you know, fundamentally, you know, changing. You know, it's, you know, uh, cars are one of those things that, you know, we, we want to, you know, physically touch and see and hear and smell. I'm always kind of fascinated with that, why people are so into the new car smell. I'm like, do you realize those are just chemicals? That's not a thing? You know, it's like, I, anyways, I digress, but I always just thought that was weird. Oh, the new car smell. <laughs> but but it is. It, it's, it's a multi-sensory type of experience when we want to learn and consume information about this, but that, that's going to change, which I think is going to be kind of really cool on the media and the content side, you know, because, you know, the, the way that we report this information the way that we capture this information is just going to have to just fundamentally change so that someone can consume, you know, a, a story of yours, Petrina, and say, you know, yeah, that's that's a car I want to take to that next step. You know, uh, Michelle, now this I'm kind of setting this one up for you next because this is kind of a, a, an easy one for you is like the sale portion of it. OK, so it's like, OK, cool. We have the kind of the awareness side of it, but it's like, you know, now how does it look like for the new norm of, you know, selling a vehicle? Michelle? Yeah, um, and I was just going to add on to what you guys were talking about before. I think that there's just going to be a, a huge impact of people looking that normally relied on, um, you know, either whether it was trains or, you know, buses or or even, you know, shared, uh, like ride sharing, like Uber and, and things like that, that are just going to be like, <laughs> I do think that that's going to happen. Um, but no, it's it's had, it's had a, a huge impact also on how people are looking at um, selling cars and, and how people are looking at buying cars, right? I mean, right now, people aren't going to want to spend time in the dealership. And, and quite frankly, you know, around um, the world, they, they can't, depending on where you live and, and what the restrictions are. Uh, a lot of dealerships, especially here in the United States, they're, they're literally closed except for online sales. Um, their, their showrooms are locked. And they're not allowed to do business that way. So now, I know uh, that's different in every single state. Mm -hmm. For for you right now, where you're at, you know, is is that the case for you? Uh, you mean literally, like where I'm living? Yes. Yeah. So in um, in California, yes, we the showrooms are closed, um, and online sales are allowed. Um, so we've had some of our largest clients out here have to to you know shut their doors and. Um, you know, sadly, uh, either lay off or, or furlough um, most of their staff during this time. So it's, it's scary. You know, I talked to a lot of our dealer partners um, 
around the country who've had to make choices like that. And it's, it's not fun. You know, it's thrown everybody in the um, industry into this space of how do I, how do I do this? Both from like, how do I, how do I sell online? But then how do I, how do I staff for it? You know, who do I, who do I need right now um, in order to, you know, maximize whatever demand there is for me right now? And so they're having to think about the, the technology. They're having to also think about how do I do a remote test drive? How do I do home delivery? Um, and, you know, it depends on really where the dealership was before all of this, right? A lot of our clients that have been with Roadster for um, some of them years already now said, you know, this isn't what we wanted by any means, but we got this. Like, we understand we, we did the work, we spent the months, we figured out how to incorporate, you know, this process. And that's really what people need to be thinking about. Because honestly, I think what's happening in the industry is there's this, there's this rush to figure out the technology, because like I said, in some areas, it's all that you can do um, without really spending the minute or two to really, okay, how are we going to use this? Who is going to use this? Um, and it looks a lot different right now. You know, you've got, depending on the dealership, you've got some where um, all they have is their sales managers. Like that's what they have gone down to. And so oh, I, I was talking to a dealership the other day and, you know, they're the sales manager, the salesperson, the F&I manager, and the service advisor was actually the same person. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that, that is happening where, I mean, it's a different configurations, right? Like, so some, some people have said, you know what, we're going to weather the storm. Um, we're going to keep all of our staff no matter what. And that, you know, of course, like fills my heart. And I am so thankful that some people can do that, but not everybody was able to do that. So then you've got people that said, well, let's split shift it. You know, everybody's going to be impacted, but we're going to try to keep as many people as possible. We'll have, you know, a morning shift and, a, and an afternoon shift and, never were their crap, their paths cross because we're trying to keep social distancing. And so we're going to do that. And then you have others where they said, you know what, um, we're going to keep some people, um, you know, on the sales side, we're going to have them work remotely. And, and maybe my F and I guy is also remote, but he's just going to come in when somebody's here to pick up the car. So he's on call kind of like there's different configurations of what's happening. And I think each dealership has to figure out what's going to work for them. And then you have to figure out, okay, what do I need to offer to have this amazing customer experience during this time where I'm making the consumer feel comfortable that they can buy from me? That's really, uh, I don't know if you know um, Paul J. Daly from Congruent Agency. Yeah, we're doing a podcast tomorrow. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, he said to me last week, he's a good friend of mine. He said to me last week that safety is the new luxury. And I thought it was just, it was such a great, you can ask me about that tomorrow. It was such a great like way to sum it up because that's what's really happening from a, a messaging perspective for the industry is that people are really having to think about how do I make consumers feel comfortable? If they have a need, if they have an essential need to buy a car because they're, you know, an essential service or, you know, what sadly is happening, you know, everywhere is that people have a need to downsize because of financial pressures, right? Maybe they've lost their job, um, a lease coming, you know, a new, there's all sorts of reasons why people really do need vehicles right now. So how do we make them feel safe that they can do business with me? And so you've seen this concerted effort 
of retailers around the, the world really to figure out how do I communicate that to the, the customers that want to buy. Um, and well, then when especially I in an industry like ours, where we've always and Michelle, you know, this from the marketing side and Petrina, you've seen a bunch of this, too, is, you know, we're, we're in an industry that just focuses on huge discounts, low lease payments. And it's it that's not the message that consumers want to consume right now. You know, it's uh, Michelle, you even kind of mentioned earlier, you know, this is, you know, digital retailing is more of a process with the technology that supports the process. You know, I think a lot of people right now, I, you know, are looking for this like quick diet pill, you know, like where, where's, where's, where's the 12 minute abs version of, you know, being able to sell a car, you know, hundred percent online with no touch points. <laughs> you know? Well, the 12 minute abs never worked for me. So I can tell you that. <laughs> I guarantee you didn't work for me either. <laughs> but I think that the, that to, to your point, they really need to think about how they're going to use it. It is not something that you can just plug in to your website and then just like everything is okay. Um, but if you do invest the time and you really think through, you know, the right type of employee that's going to man the other side, because that's the truth. Like it, it is, it, you're going to get a very small percentage of people that are just going to do this hundred percent themselves. It's much more of a guided online experience. And so you need to have the right personnel that is going to be on the other side to walk them through the process. And the other thing I would say is, you know, all of these people, the one thing that dealers have really to lean into is they're part of the community. And right now, community is so important to everybody. You know, I walk outside and I see my neighbors that I barely like see on a regular basis. And everybody's like, oh my God, hi. Like, it's so amazing. Like everybody I know wants ones that I don't know even normally like interact with. They're like, right. hey, how's your mother? Has your brother? I'm like, what? What? Who? What's your name again? Which house do you? Oh, you're in that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think that there's just this huge connection we can make with people that live near us in our community. And so I think, and that's the other thing. You know, you're you're starting to see retailers get creative with technology like this. How can I get on and virtually walk somebody through? Share my screen. Show them the options. Right. Show them the car. To what Patrina was saying before, do a virtual walk around. Well, okay, let's talk about that real quick. Virtual yeah. walk around, because I, you know, and Patrina, I'd like you kind of voice in this as well. Who's someone who's created a lot of content around cars? You know, um, you know, I, I've watched some of these guys' some of these virtual walk arounds, and Michelle, I'm sure you've probably seen some. And, whew, man. There are some really, really bad walkarounds. I mean, just like, and here's the steering wheel. And uh, those round things <laughs> over there are called tires. I have no idea why I did it in that tone of voice. But anyways, um, you know, there's just like, there's there's nothing to that. But I do find that 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 walk around, that virtual walk around, Michelle, like you were talking about, is, is key, you know, a, a significant part of trying to make that connection from that person to that product from a virtual perspective. And Petrina, I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on this. It's like, you know, what kind of advice, Petrina, you know, for someone who makes a lot of video on, on, on vehicles, you know, you know, what kind of advice can you give them about creating a, a good, educating and entertaining walk around? I think the key is the person. Uh, I think that's very, very important. Uh, and also showing diversity. Uh, I will be honest, sometimes I get very frustrated with seeing that typical person, <laughs> uh, you know, an older white male in, in that role. I would love to see more women doing that, uh, more, you know, different diverse backgrounds so that you're inclusive and that you're actually connecting with 
um, you know, different groups of people. You're not just targeting a, a gearhead. You know, you're you're explaining things in a simple, informative way. You don't need to get into the all the gearhead uh, technology in a vehicle because chances are, if someone's shopping for that car and they're gearhead, they've already looked up all that information. Um, but I think it's really important to keep it sim simple, keep it uh, entertaining and fun. Uh, and and really, if you can bring new faces to do those walkarounds, I think you have a better chance. This right now is a huge opportunity to tap into that female market. And we know that, you know, more than 80% of all car buying decisions are done by women. Uh, and they're very important. I've always felt that they've sort of been uh, neglected in the car shopping process. And I'll be honest, you know, I had horrible experiences in the past buying cars uh, at a dealership. Um, but I, I just I've <laughs> overcome that and bought a new car right before this pandemic, of course. Uh, and it was oh, very pleasant. Oh, experience. please tell. I want to know. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I always found it very difficult to walk in as a woman or going in to see the mechanic as a woman. I, I always felt that there were stereotypes, even given the fact of what I do. So I think doing this online, this is a huge, huge opportunity to connect with that female buyer. And if you even have a woman that's bringing out that information to another woman, uh, I, I think that they are more responsive to it. Uh, even when I do uh, automotive reports, it's interesting when I started out uh, doing the national morning show Canada AM um, like 15 years ago, it was actually a man that used to do that, the segment. It was automotive reporting. Um, he was an, you know, an older white gentleman that, that used to do it. Uh, and he was a gearhead. So he would go on and he would talk and, and he would say all these stats. Well, the women that were largely watching the show weren't interested. <laughs> so when I came on and I did it and I, I didn't focus on the technology, I focused on the space in the cargo area, other areas, um, you know, the cup holders, uh, the seats, uh, the flexibility of the vehicle. I talked about other things. And from the minute, the first time I did it, they were like, we want you. My producer actually said, we want you to do this on a regular basis because the women that are watching want to hear from a woman in a very simple matter of fact. When we're doing these walk around videos, I think the goal is to try to actually try to connect mm -hmm. and it, you know, just, just regurgitating whatever the brochure says is not connecting. And, you know, like I, I know getting in front of a camera is not comfortable for a lot of people. Um, you know, like, so, so I know that, you know, kind of default is let me just kind of read what the brochure has to say because it's, it's an easier thing to do. But, um, you know, Petrino, I was listening to you kind of talk. I was kind of thinking like a best practice would be here would be really kind of understand your audience first before you go do this walk around video. Like Michelle, would you kind of agree with that one? Yeah, I a hundred percent. I was going to say first, first and foremost, before you do that, like what, what are people actually looking for? And if you're doing that, cause a lot of dealerships are doing this on a one-on-one -on -one basis for a specific customer where they're going and, and doing these videos. So you already probably know what that customer is actually looking for and why. And so the more you can point that out as to this vehicle is right for you because, and just feed into the benefits in their lifestyle versus the, you know, ins and outs of the, the technical pieces. Um, I think that you're going to be better off. The other thing I was going to add is just um, being real. Like, I just think that when you read a brochure, you sound really mechanical and you need to let your personality shine, um, but also do it in a way that's not like over the top because right now over the top is seen as a little tone deaf. Like, the world right now, there's a lot going on. You have to have empathy for what the situation is right now. 
So even um, you know showing like how at your dealership you're you're keeping you know safety first and you know even in the walk around are you wearing gloves like what what are you doing to make sure that they know that your dealership is taking this seriously it's just more leaning into that you know being real understanding your environment and understanding the the customer um, that you're speaking to. That's a really good point, Michelle, about the wearing the gloves too. Yeah. And doing those walk arounds in, in this day and age. Yeah. No, I think what it is, is like, we have, we have to be real, right? We, we have to connect with them. And, you know, honestly, if, if, if I'm having to go through this 100% kind of like touchless online digital retailing experience, I don't, I don't care whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, but the, the bottom line is that my first connection with them is the way they present that vehicle. Like that, the presenting of the vehicle is one of the most important parts to when they physically show up to the dealership. So it's absolutely going to be one of the most important parts to, you know, connecting that connection, you know, over, over device. Now I will say that with devices though, and I love you guys got thoughts on this too, is I, I find that there's kind of this level of like hyper attentiveness where it's like, you know, people in the dealership can kind of get distracted by what somebody was doing over there or a noise over here, or, you know, let me excuse myself and I can gotta go talk to my manager and they jump on their phone, you know, checking out whatever it is. You know, it's like, now it's like we're face to face. Like it's, it just seems like people are consuming more information. They're, they're, they're it's, it's, it's just, absorbing in quicker and allowing them to make decisions. I mean, I just got done talking to a dealership before we jumped on this. I sold 11 cars yesterday. Wow. You know, completely touchless, you know, wow. little plug for Roadster, by the way, they're using Roadster. Um, that wasn't intentional. <laughs> that was literally just completely by, by a quinky dink there. Um, <laughs> no, they but, are. I mean, that is the thing that people, I mean, it's not the volumes by any means that, you know, dealerships are, are used to, which is why they've had to, cut costs, but, um, but they are, I think it would be incorrect to assume that no sales are happening. I think they are selling cars and I've talked to dealerships, you know, every single day that are telling me, you know, Oh, you know, we just had, you know, we sold 15 cars yesterday over the weekend. We sold 30 cars. Um, they're just doing it in a really, really different way right now. And, you know, when you think about it, like, regardless of you know what your income is, and yes, we're going through tough times, and you may have lost your job. But in Canada, there are 600,000 leases coming due this year. So people will need a car, you know, and there are different options that they have to look at whether they're going to buy it out, lease another one. The reality is, yeah, it's, it's going to change, but there's still going to be people buying cars. Yeah, that's, a, that's like a great point. And I think if you take a look at the people that are coming off lease, the best thing that you could be doing right now, especially the ones that either their lease is up or, or it is in the next month, is to send them, you know, hey, your, your lease is coming up. I'm going to send you a link so that you can take a look at the, the newer version of that vehicle or, you know, other options that you have online. Like, let's, you can take a look at this now so that you're prepared. Um, and that outreach is not going to come across as salesy. It's going to come across as helpful. And that's really... I think the thing that people need to focus on right now is like, how can we be of service? Um, are there pockets or, or elements, you know, of consumers that um, where we know there's a need kind of similar, like I said, the, the downsizing one is another one, right? When you, when you do outreach and you're thinking about, Hey, you know, we know that, you know, X amount of people in our community have been hit or impacted, you know, or, or either, you know, had some kind of financial impact where they've lost their job or something. Um, 
So we're just reaching out to let you know that we are here for you if you need to downsize your vehicle. We know that there's a lot of pressure in that monthly payment. Like just those types of messages are going to do wonders. But the, the lease one is, is a great one. We, we look at that all the time as an opportunity to you know, get ahead of it and let people at least take the time. Because the reality is, is we're all home. <laughs> so, uh, and we actually see this in our data where we're looking at, you know, what's happening. We know walk-in traffic is um, uh, been, um, you know, slowing down to a halt, but the online traffic is still very present. I was just looking at data yesterday that shows, you know, the dealer website traffic um, is maybe down 25%, but the activity that's happening in online deal making is up close to 20%. And then the people that are actually starting the buying process online is up 47%. So we're seeing we're seeing recovery as it relates to shopping activity, but those that are in market are really ready. Like that's what you get, right? You start to get this, the shopping curves start to return and then the serious buyers taking action first. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of engagement. People are, people are home. Um, I wouldn't say they're bored. I know I'm, I'm not bored. I'd like to actually have more time to myself, but, but they're home and they're online. <laughs> so if they're in need or they're worried about their financing, they're, they're online looking. Um, and so now's the time to, to think about those segments that may be of need. Well, they're consuming a lot. I mean, Patrina, I don't know about your YouTube channel, but I know with mine and I know with most people I've talked to is that, you know, I mean, I've seen a 23% increase in consumption of just my video content out there, you know, which which kind of makes, you know, sense and as an industry and Patrina, I'd like to get your thoughts on this and as dealerships too. You know how many dealerships out there still don't have YouTube channels? I know, you know it's amazing, yeah. They just yeah. never thought to actually create the content to answer some of these questions to bring value again we don't want you regurgitating what the brochure says but i think there are there are customers out there that have legitimate questions about right now like how can i defer my payment how can i lower my payment how can i get out of this vehicle and into a vehicle with a lower payment you know it's like you know those are videos that as dealerships we can be producing Absolutely. you know Absolutely. and then the products that. themselves as well. So Petrina, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on like dealerships out there that are thinking of getting into the video content game, but they're just, I don't know, there seems to have a mental roadblock. And how do you get over that? I, you know what, I think dealerships need to realize they need to change. <laughs> and I think this is actually forcing them to realize, you know, they've been stagnant for decades. They've done things in the same manner, but things are changing. And we especially saw this, unfortunately, with COVID-19. So this is a huge opportunity for them to kind of reinvent themselves and to stay with the times and being connected to consumers online, where you have so many viewers that are going online to see test cars, uh, vehicles being tested, or like you say, have questions. This is a huge opportunity to, to launch a YouTube channel to you know even do facetime live chats to talk about you know how what can we do to make you feel um you know more financially secure we're offering to defer payments for lease payments for the next three months this is what we're doing to help you get through things let us know what else you need like there's a huge opportunity to contact connect with their their customers and i would go online you know especially now there is time to build those those uh different uh social media not just YouTube, but social media as well, because you have a lot of many uh, dealers that don't really have even social media channels. Um, you know, 
going onto Instagram and to um, Twitter and Facebook, all of that is a, a great way to connect with the consumer. Well, and I think that's what's kind of key, right? Is that, you know, and Michelle, I mean, you can see this from the technology side is, you know, that we're, we're having to be insanely transparent and it is, it's like we have to connect with the customer before we can do anything else. Like nothing happens until we can actually connect with them. Now, once we connect with them, then we can introduce them, you know, to an online process and a way to kind of take the next steps. But none of that happens until we can actually get to that connection. Um, guys, I, I know that we could easily go on for probably another hour here and have a lot of fun doing that. And we probably just do a whole podcast on just kids and, you know, just the industry and, you know, my ordering Uber Eats and everything else. But <laughs> um, before we go, all right, I get to ask my favorite question of every podcast. Uh, because I, I always have fun um, listening to the answers of these. But I get to ask both of you, what is pissing you off? So, Petrina, I'm going to start with you. Right now, what is pissing Petrina off? Auto insurance. Uh, having to pay for my auto That's a good one. insurance when I'm not driving my car. And uh, and there are, like, granted, there are some companies, I know Allstate in Canada is, is giving rebates uh, to consumers because we're not driving a lot and there are fewer accidents, fewer cars on the road. Um, I have two vehicles right now. I have two different insurance policies. I contacted both of those insurance companies, asked them if I'm eligible for a rebate. No, no, no. So that's pissing me off. <laughs> That's that's a good one. I agree with you on that one. In fact, I never even thought about that. You know, I got two cards sitting outside as well. And I'm like, I'm not driving them. You know, we were talking earlier before we started this podcast. I have not worn shoes for the last two weeks. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not getting in the car. So I mean, everything gets delivered. It's a, it's a good call out. Uh, Rudy Toon, our COO, sent a message out to the company. Um, this is a couple weeks ago. It said, call your car insurance company and lower the miles you're driving. There's no need right now, like to, to pay for the level of car insurance you have if you were doing like a big commute, you know, uh, I thought that was really good advice to, to your point. <laughs> I think that's a great message. In fact, actually, you know what, if anybody's listening or watching to this podcast and they're looking for a message, they could easily just shoot a quick video and send out to their entire customer database. Like, you know, I didn't even think about that. And now I know, and I'm probably going to make a phone call afterward with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, but before we go. I want to know what is pissing Michelle off. Oh gosh, is it not PC to tell you that it's my children? <laughs> you can absolutely do that because mine just walked in on me while we're doing this, so I can guarantee you that's what mine is right now. <laughs> I think it's just more, you know, everybody's stuck in the house together, and my kids are very close in age, so they're constantly at each other's throats. It's almost like you know that saying, like distance makes the heart grow fonder. Well, it's like the opposite of that <laughs> happening in my house right now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, and I just think that generally um, along those lines, the, the school system, I, I'm having a really hard time with the school system situation. Um, you know, I, I know we talk often um, about modernizing the car buying experience, but the one thing I can't stop thinking about through this whole process is how teachers were so behind the times as it related to technology. And, um, and so it's, it's got a trickle down effect, right? Like they didn't know what to do. They don't know how to teach my children this way. My kids don't know what to do and therefore they need a lot of help and we're all trying to work. So, um, it's, it's definitely been pissing me off. <laughs> I wish that I could, uh, <laughs> hire somebody to like 
uh, virtually babysit my children and like guide them through the online learning experience for me. That, that's that intelligent. Would be a great I, I think we just identified a new opportunity there. Yeah, that's a pop-up business. You know, you should take it, all of the all of the people that maybe were, um, you know, either in college or, you know, are furloughed temporarily. And we should just deploy them to children that need somebody to walk them through their their online learning experience. Well, I think uh, Roadster has a new product uh, that might be coming out in the course of the next couple of months. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Actually, that'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, before I let you both go, uh, for everyone out there that's been watching and listening to this, and if you are watching and listening, thank you for you know watching and listening to the entire end because it's the best part. Um, and would love to connect with you. Uh, what is the best way to connect with you? Petrina, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, on you can certainly get me on LinkedIn under my name, Petrina Gentile. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, and my YouTube channel called Mota Ragazza, which means car girl. Please uh, subscribe and, and tune in. I'm going to do that after this. <laughs> I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty confident I did because I get pop-ups when things, when new videos come on, but I'll double check as well. <laughs> Um, hey, Michelle, for, me, for yourself, what's the best yeah. way to connect with you? Yeah, Jason, for me, it would be just to email me directly, michelle at roadster.com. It's pretty simple. I mean, I've got all the social channels too, but why not? Just send it direct. Um, the only other thing I also wanted to add is that at Roadster, we've been developing out a resource section on roadster.com called COVID-19 Resources. And what we've been doing is we've been taking examples from dealerships across the country, marketing examples, best practices of what they're doing operationally, and also all of the state guidelines and just to give it like one place, one central place for people to come to. So uh, you can connect through the website too. Um, personally, you know, just email me, but that's another resource that's available to people if they need it. That's awesome. That's a resource I'm going to have to check out after after this because that, that is a good point. You know, like trying to find one central consistent place, you know, to kind of guide me through, you know, the, the kind of the do's and the don'ts and the best practices. That That's really cool. That's very cool. That you guys have taken the time and allocated the efforts to put that together. Hey, again, thank you both for taking the time to jam with me today. This was a ton of fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. I'll see you later. Bye.